This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast, where non-technical executives stay ahead of the AI curve. You don't want to learn to write code, but you do want to find high ROI AI opportunities and steer an AI strategy. You found yourself in the right place. Those of you who are longtime listeners, and I mean long time, I'm talking five or six years ago, will remember the name Mazine Gilbert. Uh, Mazin was with us some five or six long years ago, where we talked about AI and telecommunications when he was with AT&T. Today, he has made his way over to Google, where he is currently Director of Engineering and Telecommunications Orchestration and Automation for Google. He holds a PhD in Electronic Engineering and a Master's in Business from my alma mater, University of Pennsylvania. Since chatting with Mazin the last time, AI has gone from interesting to inevitable in the telecommunications space. It's certainly not the domain that's adopted AI the quickest or the fastest or at the greatest scale, but it is certainly a space where now there are substantial deployments of artificial intelligence. And frankly, we are just at the beginning of a much broader transformation in the years ahead. Every industry has its telltale signs of change. Mazin starts off with some of what he's seeing in the telecommunications world that he considers to be some of the early harbingers of change when it comes to data infrastructure and the fruitful use of artificial intelligence. Some of you in any industry may be able to see similar signs in your sector as well. So I think Mazin's perspective here is useful. And secondly, he dives in on where artificial intelligence is adding value in the telecommunications space. This is someone who spent six years at Bell Labs in the 90s working on machine learning and then nearly 25 years at AT AT&T and now he's over at Google. So spanning from research to the giant blue chip firms, now to the cutting edge tech giant, Mazin has a range of perspective on telco that I think is valuable and hopefully will be very useful for you, whether you're in telecommunications or not. Without further ado, let's fly into this episode. This is Mazin Gilbert with Google here on the AI and Business Podcast. Mazin, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I I can't believe how long it's been since we chatted last. It's a real blast to be able to see you again. And today we're talking about your industry, the industry you've been in for 30 some odd years here, the telecommunications space. A lot has changed in the last number of years since we've chatted. Talk to us when it comes to the state of the cloud and data and telco, where are we now and where are things kind of moving? Do you have a big picture here? Sure. So the telco industry in general is is really undergoing an industry revolution. This is a digital transformation they're undergoing today. And this is really driven by customers demanding for high bandwidth applications. Think of XR, video, streaming, et cetera. But there's also a pressure to lower the cost of their OPEX and CAPEX as they basically trying to scale. And at the same time, huge investment is going into 5G. Okay, billions of dollars of investment. And clearly their question is going to be, and is today is how do we monetize? What are the monetization opportunities that we can really turn this basically around? So as they're thinking through this, I think one thing is coming out really clear is that to do that, you need to really run a very efficient, agile network, okay? A very high, low cost network, network that can scale, not in terms of the dollars, but it can basically scale. And to do that, They've really arrived at one simple conclusion. The answer is running a network in a hybrid cloud. 
And a hybrid cloud, a distributed cloud, is sort of a foundation to address a lot of these challenges. From what you, or I, you and I are talking about is that once you start thinking about a hybrid cloud and you start really embracing that concept to really drive the efficiency, the agility, the elasticity, the monetization, then that is like heaven for AI and data because now it's really opening up a kingdom of data that in the past it used to be hidden in you know directories and and areas that no one basically can get access to so so this is the era of ai now as you're coming into this hybrid cloud got it so a hybrid cloud is kind of the next step it is where everybody's sort of making their way towards intelco the big folks here that is absolutely correct okay. and where this is important to us dan is that two things is that one is that when you are in a hybrid cloud, the first thing you want to do, you want to say, well, I, I need to monitor what I put there. I, I need to sure. know, you know, how well is it operating? That's our data analytics. That is what network all analytics is all about. Okay. The next thing you want to say, well, I need to sort of manage my workloads. I want to orchestrate those workloads automatically. I don't want humans to touch every single workload. And I want to do, you know, life cycle management of those workloads all automatically. Basically, I want to run a zero touch network an autonomous network. And frankly, that's how we run Google's network today. Okay, We're close to that autonomous, basically, network. That is what they want. So now you're starting to bring in analytics, orchestration, and automation. And these are foundation as you start you know, moving your workloads, your telco workloads to the cloud. Got it. And so, yeah, and again, you've, you've seen this within the big companies. Now you're seeing these kind of transitions in Google's kind of high-tech perspective. This is obviously going to lead to the waking up of the data. And one of the ways, as you'd mentioned, is sort of being able to make, I think, the grand dream of, you know, this autonomous network that routes things efficiently and effectively. Nobody's getting any unnecessary lag time. You know, we're, we're being energy efficient, whatever the case may be. That's one of so many different use cases once data becomes vastly more accessible through a proper kind of cloud infrastructure. What are some of the AI and data enabled use cases that you're most excited about? Maybe we could talk about that autonomous network and maybe there's some others. What are some concrete examples you're seeing in the world today? Yeah, so they're, they're really, it's, it's so exciting because there are really many that we are actually working on and some we have already productized. Let me give you some examples. First, sure. I want to mention that area of AI in this telco space. And, you know, I, I want to be clear that when, when I talk about AI, I'm talking about personalization, proactive maintenance, closed-loop automation, recommendation. That area is a $174 billion market business impact that has, again, based on some Kinsey report and many reports that you see out there. So this is not a little, like, playground. This is, this is a huge opportunity, yep. okay? Two, to enable the examples I'm just going to tell you, you need pieces, you need capabilities that make these applications easily buildable and easily scalable and easily deployable. And so in, in Google Cloud for sure is that we have a number of very advanced data and AI capabilities from BQ to Vertex AI, et cetera. These are our building blocks. So think of it as we have a lot of Legos. We have over a hundred plus of these Legos that allow us to do all forms of AI, all forms of data management, all forms of data quality assessment validation. So what are we doing with this? So let me give you one example. First example is really the most, like one of the largest example in telco, which is contact centers. 
Telcos mm. today still remain one of the number one or among the top three companies in the world, industries in the world that support contact centers. Yeah, credit cards, telco, they're way up there. Exactly. Whether it's through chat, through voice, through you name it, okay? Millions of these transactions happen basically every day. So we have used our advanced speech recognition and natural language capability and what we call conversational AI. This is our interactive dialogue capabilities to really build and enable an advanced contact center solution. So today we're able to allow customers with our solutions do over like 90% intent precision. So imagine there's this AI system, okay, that's either listening to the call or is basically taking the call and 90%, over 90% of what you're asking for, this system is able to precisely define. Yep. And over up to like 50% what we've seen from our data, we're able to deflect those calls to a human and, and have an automated system completely take over that basically system. Yeah, so yeah. That's a huge cost. So we have a lot of customers that we have been working with in this space. Verizon certainly is one of those customers. Great. This is a huge, huge fertile space. Remember, contact centers is not new, but it remains more and more complex than ever before because products and technologies are becoming more complex. So this is something that is really transformational and thanks to data and AI and the cloud, it's really making this a reality. Got it. And if you don't mind, I'd love to go into this call center one just a bit with you and explore this for the audience. And then we can go into some other use cases too. So I, I would, you know, certainly again, like you said, telco, one of the big call center spaces, right? I mean, there's a lot of different industries where they're not as big, but again, credit cards, telco, massive, massive numbers of people employed in these facilities. There's a huge amount of value in handling that low-hanging fruit. Like you had talked about being able to potentially deflect 50%. I mean, th that's a massive number, but being able to sort of tackle password resets or simple product questions, simple refund requests, whatever the case may be, maybe being able to keep people free of that. There's such an art and a science to which things we keep from a human and then which things we immediately route to the right human who who can handle it. That has to do with complexity. Maybe it has to do with how valuable the customer is to us, you know, if they're worth X, you know, per year versus it's just an individual customer. How do you strike a balance in those kind of use cases between what you want to route to a person and what you really do want to handle entirely by a machine? It's a really challenging space to to kind of un unravel there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and listen, AI is not a solved problem today. Definitely okay? not. But AI is advanced enough to take some rudimentary, okay, transactions and really automate that in a consistent way. Not even humans are able to do things sometimes in a consistent way. Okay. So like you mentioned, one of the major transactions is a password reset. Okay. You really don't need a human for a password no. reset. Okay. There are a number of these transactions. What these AI systems trying to do is to really first identify what the problem is because different people speak describe the problem very differently and really having a really precise system. You need a precise system to recognize what you say, to understand what you say, to converse in what you say, because if it doesn't, people lose credibility. People lose confidence in the system and they just simply want to talk to an agent. That's it. That's exactly. it. Exactly. The agent is really required. There's always going to be a human in the loop because there are a lot of transactions that are very complex. Okay, so this is not removing the human. This is simply saying the humans and the agents are focusing on the complex problems that really require the expertise of an agent 
the rudimentary ones, okay, can easily be automated by these type of systems. Like I said, up to 50% of these transactions and being able to address those transactions without you waiting and having them done yep. automatically is, and having customers to be happy with this is amazing. Like I said, we have, and, and I'm talking about telcos sort of adopting this, but this capability that we call CCAI is actually adopted worldwide for many enterprises today too. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, clearly relevant in the financial services space. As you can imagine, we've done a lot of voice stuff, chat stuff in that domain where there is still tremendous demand for call center work. It is really, we've seen a lot of very deep collaborative processes with the client to say, okay, realistically, what is handleable by AI versus not? And then also realistically, what from a relationship standpoint do we want to route to a human fast? And so we've always seen when when companies partner with big enterprise players that actually that strategic convo about how to get this done, it's not like, okay, yeah, let's let's automate the low-hanging fruit, send the rest to people. It's like it's actually a lot of chess pieces to move to say what's best for this particular customer. I can imagine with a firm as big as Verizon or other players in the space, you guys have also kind of had to build, you know, what is their strategy? What do they want to have people handle, machines handle? It strikes me as very strategic. You're absolutely right. Yeah, You're absolutely right. Let me sort of throw at you some other examples. Yeah, okay? please, just, please. Like I said, the one I just gave you is 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 out there. It's 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 touching a lot of customers, etc. The other one that I'm excited about is this entire area of a, of a telco digital twin. Let me tell you why this is important. Okay. I mentioned earlier that telcos are moving towards they're going through that digital transformation. They're moving their what's physical assets used to be into virtualized software assets. They're moving things that used to be on-prem to the cloud. And so when you do that, suddenly you end up with your workloads becomes all software. Your business is all software. Your yeah. business is all software running basically on cloud. Okay. And when you do that, you start asking the question of, are there decisions I need to make in this virtual world, in this digital twin world, which is a mirror image of my business? Yep. Okay. Are there decisions I can make that can really help me to do things faster without dispatching engineers, without dispatching technicians? And I can make millions of these simulations and decisions to find the optimum solution before I take an action. So Telco Digital Twin is exactly that, Okay. What telcos are going through right now is obviously a, a 5G transformation. They're building their 5G. What's special about 5G? What's special about 5G is that you're no longer going to have these big macro cell sites every so many miles. Now it's all about densification. What does that mean? It means you have smaller cells every few meters away from each other. Well, imagine the magnitude of work required to buy, build, explore where to put these small cells. Basically, there are many of them around your own neighborhood. And so a telco digital twin, one thing we've been working on with customers is building their digital twin of their business, where their antennas are, where their cell sites are, where their data centers are. What do they have in the data centers? What do they have on these antennas? And practically helping them in defining which pole, which building, which facet they have, that they need to put what antenna in what direction. And if they put this antenna, what is the line of sight? If there are a thousand people that drive on that street, what's the signal strength they will get? What kind of line of sight they will get? With the buildings, people inside the buildings, outside the buildings, get the value. This is really important because what's really helping them to do is you have only always so many dollars to spend. 
you want to really invest your dollars to get the maximum return in terms of the best customer experience. Yeah, so think yeah, of this yeah, is, yeah. I want to put a dollar in and I want to get the best experience out. Does that make sense? It, it completely does. And obviously, there's so many variables, you know, how much traffic for video streaming versus this versus that is happening all, all these geographic areas. Where are all my towers located? What kind of services are being used in all these different areas? And what's the most efficient way to use these resources? It's absolutely not there is no perfect answer and it is constantly changing. So the value of simulation feels robust here. I'd love to ask, you know, in the call center, I'm, I'm certainly aware of some robust levels of traction that are happening there with routing calls and handling low hanging fruit questions. When it comes to simulations, where are we on that becoming somewhat normal, you know, for like an AT&T or a Verizon or somebody else to to be using these simulations to to really make critical decisions. Where are we on kind of the maturity of that AI use case? So so we are doing pilots with a number of customers today, okay? In terms of a lot of the simulations and the decision-making, this is what we do as our bread and butter inside Google. This is how we run the Google network. Sure, okay? sure. Doesn't surprise when we me. invest in a Google network, whether we're adding a node or whatever the case we are trying to do, we run literally millions of simulations to try to figure out what is the best place to put a new node? What is the traffic going to be like? What is the fastest way for that traffic to move from A to B? So we do this today in how we build and drive our network inside Google. And what we're trying to do is that to really sort of take that, externalize it, build a complete digital twin of the world, you know, with, with a lot of the assets that we have in Google Earth, imagine, and Google Maps. Yep, yep, yep really taking those and taking a lot of the simulations that we do inside Google and really helping telcos in more efficiently and quickly building, designing, deploying their 5G assets. Got it. Final sort of note here is I'm mindful of where we are on time, but I did want to get your thoughts about the future. You know, we spoke a little bit over five years ago and maybe some of what we're seeing today was predictable. Maybe some of it wasn't, but we've been in the space long enough from a big tech perspective now, and certainly with a big provider perspective to have a useful vantage point as to where do you think we're going in the next five years? Pretty clear. You believe that hybrid cloud is sort of where folks are moving also seems like the, the call center use case and the simulation use case are areas that you think are hot. Obviously, call center seems to be more mature today. What do leaders in this space need to know about what's going to change in the half decade again? And any, anything that you want to talk about? So I think what's really happening now and over the next five years is that telcos and enterprises are realizing that their data is a key competitive advantage they have in the industry. It's no longer this something that you have to worry about how to collect it and it costs them money. It is actually the weapon to compete because it is the intelligence that you have in your hand and how well you exercise that intelligence, how quickly you exercise that intelligence. It's really a matter of winning or losing in this industry. Okay. So what you're going to see is that telcos are going to double down in terms of really getting into this single source of truth for data, single source of truth of network data, customer data, usage data, okay? And they're going to do that in a distributed cloud just like basically we talked about. As you do that, there are things we are enabling them and that is what they're going to basically experience, which is as you do that, you need to make sure that you handle data security, data sovereignty, data auditing, data validation, data privacy, data transformations, 
all of that complexity, we're really trying to basically make it available as part of these cloud. What does that mean? Five years from now, if you talk to anyone who builds today AI capabilities in the telco industry, they will tell you that 80% of the time they spend today is on the data. Not surprising. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all industries, right? Yeah. Exactly. 20% is actually the fun part. It's, yep. it's, the, it's doing the algorithm or testing or deploying the machine learning and doing some fancy stuff. Five years from now, that's going to twist. It's going to be 20% on the data. It's never going to be zero, by the way. It will be 20% of the data and 80% on really the value add AI capabilities. Okay. So that's like a factor of four or five times. Suddenly now we're going to have more explosion and attention to AI with the same number of people that we have today because we've really shifted the burden from the data and the engineering side all the way to the basically the AI and the intelligence. So that's really number one. Number two is that, as I mentioned, is that more of what telcos are doing is moving their workloads from being physical workloads. Like when you go to a cell site today, I don't know if you've gone to a cell site. When you see a cell site in the street, you'll see like a lot of hardware, big generators, big boxes at the bottom of the cell site. In the future, that is just a little antenna on the top. Everything else is software. It's huh. just a computer and a software. That's all you have, basically. So you can imagine in terms of their OPEX, their CAPEX spend, you know, the whole thing basically is going to be transformed. And how you do that is that now it's going to be all these, these mini clouds sitting with that software running and everything else. The hardware part is basically the antenna sitting on top of basically a pole or a building, or you basically carry it wherever you basically need to take it. So that is a big area. What does that allow us to do? From an AI, it's going to open up closed loop automation. Today, no matter what people say in this industry, in the telco industry, closed loop automation is not a default. Can you define the the term in the context of, of telco, the closed loop automation, just so somebody could know what does it look like if we actually achieved it? Yeah. So so think about it. This is Mazin is sort of walking in a street. <laughs> I'm making a video call, right? Video streaming call. And guess what? I get a lousy reception, right? And what do I do? I have to go and find some other place, right? To take my video call. Well, this because the network is not dynamic. It is not adapting to you. Okay, adapting to the users. Closed loop automation means what? I should have been able to grab that data in practically real time that your reception is terrible. You're doing a video session, which may be okay for a text session, but not yeah. for a video session. I should be able to grab this data. I should be able to process this data. I know where you are. I should be able now to know that the write some policies around this all automatically and being able to say, I need to reconfigure right now that antenna in order to allow these users a better video reception right now at this very moment. And so that the antenna will be, imagine the antenna may be tilted, okay? Or maybe a slightly configured or changed a bit. And from a user perspective, they don't even feel the whole thing. It's all they know is that they picked up the phone, they want to do a video session, bang, it just works, okay? Yeah. That is a dynamic network, that closed loop, meaning the whole thing happens in like a fraction of a second without a human in the loop doesn't exist today. And that is, but to do that, you need the whole thing to be software and you need it to be, pro, your network needs to be programmable. And that is the world that we're going to be in over the next five years. Got it. So this this immediate responsiveness is what you're talking about with closed loop is being, being able to adjust to the user's needs without some kind of human direction, just based on 
the activity in the network itself. Precisely. Got it. Got Absolutely. It. Okay, cool. So th- that was helpful. Useful as a last question here to really get our listeners to think about what are the paradigms we're walking towards and what are going to be the factors that actually help get us there covering everything from the state of affairs to where we're headed. We got a lot done in 22 minutes, Mazin. So I appreciate you being able to join us. Thanks so much for being able to share your insights again on the show. Thank you, Dan, for inviting me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. It warms my heart, so to speak. To be able to bring somebody back after six years being on the show, it's really crazy how quickly time flies sometimes. Mazin was with us way back in the day, now came back to be with us again, sharing all kinds of new use cases and trends. That is one of the things that I like most about my job here is being able to follow people in their interesting careers and pull great insights from them when they've learned amazing new things. So I appreciate Mazin being able to join us. And if you've appreciated this episode or you just appreciate the show in general, it would mean the universe if you leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. You can search for the AI and Business Podcast on Apple, drop a five-star review. Please do let us know what episodes do you like, what kinds of insights are useful and applicable for you and your business, or just what do you enjoy listening to when you're walking your dog and you want to learn something fun. It is feedback from podcast listeners like you in our podcast reviews and in LinkedIn conversations with me that have helped to feed our editorial calendar, feed the way that we structure our intros, our outros, the industries that we cover in any given year here on the show. So you folks tuned in are in many regards helping to steer the ship. I appreciate you and it would mean the world to hear from you. Plus it certainly helps other people learn more about the show as well. Again, you can find us on iTunes, the AI and Business Podcast. Drop us a five-star review. And again, please do drop a comment. Let us know what you want to see more of. That's exactly the feedback I and my team always appreciate. So we'll wrap things up from there. Thanks again for being with us. I look forward to catching you in the next one here on the AI and Business Podcast. Mm -hmm.